When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land. The coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, good morning. Saturdays on the Coast. All thanks to Robson Civil Projects and also McDonald Jones Homes, Whitey's Right Price Tyres, BJ Howes, everyone that supported the show. Thank you so much. Buta, welcome to the long weekend. How good is it, Steve? What a great day it is and uh, really looking forward to the long weekend. A few days off. Uh, looking forward to that Monday, the Queen's birthday. What about all the Jubilee celebrations that have been going on yeah. uh, over in England? It's been fantastic and uh, it's actually unbelievable to think that she was or she's held reign for 70 years. That yeah. is phenomenal. I didn't think we'd go down this track, but uh, Queen played for the Queen. Is that correct? Yes, that is. A, and you know what? Just a... A great celebration and, you know, deservedly so, I've got to say. Yeah, she's been an incredible monarch and let's hope that she hits 100 and keeps going strong. Yeah, definitely. Uh, she's going to have to hand over the reins at some stage. Yeah. Have you watched uh, any of those specials? Like there was the one with uh, herself and it, it showed in the early days where she travelled all over the world and, you know, her commitment to the Commonwealth. Yeah, it, it's clear and apparent. I guess that's why she's become such a, a revered and loved uh, monarch because of what she has done and, and I guess the path that she has trod, uh, trodden uh, throughout her 70-odd years as, uh, you know, head of the Commonwealth. I bet you there's someone laughing online. Uh, Tony Clark's waiting patiently <laughs> to jump into the action. Firstly, mate, uh, the long weekend, how do you feel about broadcasting live from the Man Cave? No, you. Oh, me. How do I feel? Oh, mate, I love it. I love the fact that we're here. It's uh, fantastic. It's uh, not quite the view of Terrigal Surf Club, but uh, fantastic. Yeah, also, mate, uh, you went to the Blues uh, launch night. That was in Sydney a couple of weeks ago. I haven't seen you since then. Uh, how was it? Oh, the gala dinner was fantastic. It was funny. I, I, I did get a, a bit of a start on the news, and I think the main reason was because I got there relatively early, and uh, all the other guys, or older players, um, they probably weren't as recognisable um, as what I was. So I think yeah. I was the only head that people actually knew, or the reporters actually knew. <laughs> Uh, so that's why I got as much uh, airtime as I did. But, look, it was a great night. Great to see the players there. Uh, and, unfortunately, and I know we're going to talk to TC about this, but uh, the Blues, very – well, I will say they were, you know, disappointing. No doubt about it. Uh, the Maroons were absolutely brilliant. Yeah, let's bring TC in. Good morning, mate. Welcome back to the show. Premiership winning coach locally and nowadays working with the North Sydney Bears alongside Jason Taylor and doing so much work for Grassroots Rugby League. Good morning, mate. Welcome to the long weekend. Good on you, boys. What a what a terrific show. Not only, uh, you know, all over the sport, but world affairs. <laughs> it's just simply outstanding. Uh, TC, uh, let's start to dissect this. So, New South Wales score first on Wednesday night at a core stadium in front of over 80,000 fans. Jack Whiten, the first try scorer. And you think it's going to be business as usual for New South Wales. But I love the message you sent me yesterday, your analysis of the game. Tell us more about how you thought it unfolded. Yeah, no, it was, uh, and congratulations to you too, Steve. It was wonderful that uh, you know to for, for you to showcase your talents in such a, a great stage. To see that uh, 
you know, a full house at uh, Acor Stadium was uh, was a wonderful sight for rugby league. In saying that, though, I think we'd have to start. I don't think we can uh, dismiss the Justin uh, the the uh, Yo incident with a tackle. I think that's a, a terrible look for for rugby league when we're trying to educate, as you said, with me at grassroots level. You know, trying to educate. Uh, uh, everyone around, um, you know, the concussion protocol. So I think, you know, they, they certainly look into that a little bit harder. But it was a game, uh, you know, a game for the ages. And uh, as you said, we, um, I, I thought, you know, probably, what, 20, 22 minutes, I thought, you know, here we go. We're, uh, we're, we're, we've uh, held the rampage of, of the, uh, you know, matched it with energy. And, uh, um, but it, it, it certainly turned um, quickly. Uh, around, um, you know, I, I thought, Steve, that a, a, a couple of things, I think we overdid our yardage with the back five. I, I don't think that was laying a, a, a platform. Worked their middles over for sure. You know, that, that, that to me, not pretending, you know, that I know more than Brad Fittler, but I, I thought we did that because it just wasn't giving the halves a platform for yardage uh, kicks. Um, you know, they were, they were, Ponga was catching in, uh, in pretty good field position. But again, you've got to give Queensland credit for their uh, for their kick pressure, you know, from their inside kick pressure was uh, was simply outstanding. Uh, Clark, yeah, I, I want to touch on a couple of things. Uh, the Yo incident, now, I've got to say, look, I understand that they didn't actually have clear footage of, of what happened, right? I understand that. I was at the game and I could see it straight away uh, as he was heading back into the line that there was a stumble and he had to go off, right? Now, you, can't, you cannot tell me, and if we're serious about welfare of our players, you cannot tell me that not one of the coaching staff, not one of the medical staff from New South Wales saw that and realised that, you know what, we've got to get this kid off and do a proper assessment on him, right? Despite the fact that, you know, there wasn't that footage, I have concerns about that. Like if we're all this thing about the welfare of the players and how important it is, that was totally disregarded in the first 10 seconds of the match, okay? So putting that aside, I look at the uh, the way the uh, Maroons went about their game. I thought the Blues, in fact, were... I thought there was too much one-out stuff, Clarky. I just felt that, you know, when you talk about the back five and, you know, they'll get in the yards and whatever else and doing their best, I just felt that, for me, it's a lot easier to run um, or do a pass, a catch-pass, catch-pass, go two wide, three wide. Suddenly you're running at one and a half players, two players, as opposed to a brick wall of Queensland uh, forwards who are just licking their lips, ready to actually smash you and, uh, you know, Drive you back, which is what the which was exactly what happened. Yeah, 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 and exactly because you know you could see Michael that that's what he wanted to do: wear them out, wear them out, wear them out. But again, when we got into the good ball area, like when we we're in our attack shape, we we went away from working their middles over. I mean, mm. case in point, uh, we did it once. Uh, had Cameron Murray, however he stopped, I'll never know. Give it to Paulo. We go in under the post. Yep. You know, like it was it was simple, but. It looked like, which you know, I'm not not trying to. It looked like we lacked a bit of a plan B, um, you know, because I haven't seen, um, you know, God bless him, Nathan Cleary players poorly, um, but but again, I think it was on the back of, um, you know, that that platform hadn't been laid uh, for our for our halves to 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 do what they do best. Hey, if anyone missed the game, so New South Wales lead early, then a couple of Origin specialists, yeah. Dane Gagai. Uh, I mean, the guy has been a former player of the series at origin level. He scores in the 35th minute. From memory, it comes off a little inside kick from the winger on debut, Selwyn Cobbo. Cobbo, fantastic. And it comes from a bounce pass. I've got to tell you, if Clarky, all this stuff you're doing with these young kids, if you can perfect the bounce pass, you will score plenty of tries, mate. I'm telling you. Um, everybody just stops. 
they wait, and then Cobbo picks it up as a perfect bounce to him, runs down the sideline, puts a little right foot kick in. He's left-footed, right? This is his, yeah. you know, unnatural foot and absolutely nails a kick. Dane Gagai, 20 appearances for Queensland, 12 tries. That is some strike rate in origin. Yeah, he's amazing. And uh, I guess, you know, we talk about old-style footballers, but Cobbo, when you, he's an athlete. Yeah. He's an incredible athlete. He looks like he could switch over to any sport and be a success. Then in the second half, Valentine Holmes scores early. Daily Cherry Evans. Uh, TC, I know you love him. I know you love Manly. And just a simple scrum base move from memory, about 10 metres out and fools everyone. Suddenly, Queensland in the box seat. If they convert there, it's almost game over, isn't it, boys? Yeah, definitely, Steve. It was very um, original-like, wasn't it? I think that uh, for such a simple try, you know, again, love the kid, not when he's in the maroon jumper, though, but um, <laughs> he's, um, he's certainly uh, uh, just, uh, you know, like uh, Sims is overread. Um, you know, uh, we got done on his inside shoulder. Um, Paulo, they can't use that as an excuse. Get out of the scrum, son. You no, know, no, quite correct, close. And, and, the, and the other yeah. thing there, Clark, he was Tedesco was actually behind Sims. Like, he was covering yes. in behind. So both of them overchased. And I've got no problems with Sims doing his bit and opening the gate for him on the inside. Assuming that someone will be covering, which I think for me was actually Teddy's role, to be in there covering there. And then Paulo was the second one who should have been there. But, uh, again... I've got no problem with Paulo being held. Well, you know, there was claims that he was held back. I don't go for that. You know what? You're in a scrum, right? And just because most times <laughs> players don't touch each other at all doesn't mean you've been held back at all. Um, that was a really soft try and really disappointing for the Blues. Open them up. I love the uh, the Valentine Holmes try. And, and what I loved about oh, it was... Yeah, what a pass. What a pass from Kalen Ponga. Three on three down the short side. Kalen Ponga wraps around uh, and identifies Payne, ha- Payne Haas as the A defender. Cleary and uh, Tupo were just nervous as. They, you know what? Yeah. There was yeah. no other option for them. And that was based on the fact that Crichton made the tackle. I reckon this is all – and this is a little bit about Clark, and I'd like to get your thoughts on this. I honestly believe – and, you know, I, I don't like to, to bag New South Wales coaches or players or whatever it is. I, I feel that uh, Freddie may have been outcoached on this, in this game here by Billy Slater. By a debutante. Yep. I, I honestly believe that. I, I just think that they did their homework so well – uh, and they did a good job of it. I was surprised to see Yo come off when he did. I don't know whether it was a welfare thing. I doubt it because if it was a welfare thing, they would have taken him off after 10 seconds, right? But uh, they were disjointed when he went off the field. Uh, you know, just your thoughts here, Clarky, on whether how you saw the coaching aspect. Oh, yeah, no, de- de- definitely because with with Yo's, um, I, I mean, it did knock him around, uh, you know, undoubtedly, and, and, and because there's such reliance with the shape that we play, yes. Um, we like that. As I said before, you know, it's sort of we lack that little bit of, of, of plan B stuff. But you know, like Gagai's, uh, um, Holmes's try, sorry, was just well, Gagai's try was brilliant too. But but uh, Holmes's try was just a team um, playing how they trained. Yep. If they knew that they could get a big fat middle filling up the short side, and they're going to get point, you know, it's just it's just great footy, Michael. You know that that they're able to do it. And um, and that and as you said, that that made Cleary, Cleary and Crichton nervous because um, you know Haas didn't get off the line. So yeah, no, just good footy. But now I'm I'm thinking, you know, you'd, you'd never say Michael because it, it, it's but but you know, were we a little sort of complacent in a couple of areas? I mean, I saw one disturbing thing for me after Munster, who was absolutely brilliant. Mm. You know, did that sort of. Uh, you know, unscripted run, made, you know, 30, 40 metres, and there was two guys behind. They missed the tackles. Um, 
think it was Madison and uh, and Martin, and they didn't chase until Teddy made the tackle. And I thought, that's not Origin, you know. That's mm. that, you know, you're three steps short. You know, <laughs> Wayne Bennett said you never pull up three steps short. And I thought, gee, that's a that's a concern. But but in saying all that, um, you know, we got beat by a try. Yeah. We had two, you know, two disallowed. Yo gets within a half a metre on, on the last play. You know, I, I have no trouble with the tries being disallowed. I think it was a forward pass yep. from Tupo to Teddy. And um, and then, as I said before, I've got no idea why Murray didn't push through the line because there's six points there. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, 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 there's not a great, a huge reason to panic. But, um, yeah, we're certainly going to have, well, it goes without saying, that we're going to have to be on our game for, uh, you know, in Perth. Yeah, WA. Hey, boys, can I just go back to the uh, Kalen Ponga pass? And I'd like to get your thoughts. It's a brave pass, isn't it? We've seen players in the past, uh, normally for New South Wales, throw that ball. It's an intercept the other way. And then you kind of go down in origin history as you know, a massive clanger. So it was just beautiful from Kalen Ponga. And that's what you want to see the young players do is back themselves. Yeah, 100%. And he did it so well. Like he's, I've got to say, his game wasn't, you know, amazing, Kalen Ponga, but his impact was significant, right? He was involved in two of the three tries. One was from the bounce pass. The other one was that pass to Valentine Home. That in itself tells me that, you know, the big moments, like you said earlier, Clarkie, Cameron Munster was absolutely brilliant. So many big plays that he come up with that... Um, he just and, seemed to be everywhere. And just troubled the defence each and every time he got the ball. And you know what, for me, he's such a awkward... Um, unconventional 5'8", but his style, you can't predict. You don't know how to defend it. It, it was like a Wally Lewis performance, yeah. in my opinion. It's one of the most dominant performances from a 5'8 that I've seen in a long time. What are your thoughts, TC? Oh, I couldn't agree more. It, it, you've taken the words out of my mouth. So that, that, uh, he, it was. It was, it was Wally-like, and uh, he, he was brilliant. And, and because him and Chez complement each other so well, where he is – very unscripted and will come up with, with sort of anything at any time. You know, Chez is great at the catch pass and getting the team to where they have to be. So, yeah, they'll, um, it, it was, a, 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 as I said, a performance for the ages with um, with Cameron Munster. And, and, and good good on him, you know. He's had his demons and uh, and the kids, um, you know, got, got, got himself on the right track and, and it's showing in his, in his footy. Hey, boys, a couple of quick uh, final questions. Uh, I just want to get your thoughts on this. I really feel like Jake Trebojevic should have been in the team. And I think we saw from the impact of some bench forwards and even some starting forwards on Wednesday night. But, you know, Jake has delivered. You said last week, Butes, he's always eight and a half out of ten. Yeah. Um, when you said about one-out footy, that's a role that Jake plays really well in club footy is that kind of link man between the forwards. What, what are your thoughts, boys? Well, I, I believe that Jake should have been in there originally. He was in my side. Um, how they go about that, I don't know. You know, who do do you need to make drastic changes? And I, and I take your point, Clarky, that you said earlier about the fact that, you know, we lost by six points. We had two tries disallowed, which were justified. There's no problems there. Um, we probably, Nathan Cleary probably played his worst game for New South Wales he's had. And, and you know what? That's okay, right? He's not going to be on his game each and every time. Um, even the King had bad games, believe it or not. Um, so I, I look at that and I go, you know what? We're not that far off it. The biggest challenge, I believe, for the Blues is the fact that we're now down 1-0. We've got to go to Perth. We win that. That's okay. But you've got to go to Suncorp if you want to take out the series. That is the biggest challenge for Brad Fittler and his team right now is how they go about that. 
Yeah, definitely, Michael. That, that, that I uh, I was very surprised that Jake wasn't in the team. Um, I think the makeup of the bench. We spoke. Steve and I spoke about it yesterday too. I, I think you know uh, again, a big difference was uh, the impact that the Queensland bench had. I mean, yeah. like um, Carrigan and um, and uh, Collins were. Were, were, yeah, were, were nearly, you know, man of the match performances. So that's something that I look at. But I think, I think with the selection of the team, I mean, if Freddie, you know, he's picked the best 17 two weeks ago, you know, I believe that they, we need another opportunity without too many changes, probably one or two little ones. Um, but but I but I hope he sticks solid and doesn't panic. I think that's the thing because as you just said, then, um, you know, can Nathan play that badly again? I don't think so. Um, you know, so uh, yeah, there was there was still plenty to like about what we did. Yeah, you know the other players we haven't mentioned this morning. So we haven't mentioned Jeremiah Nanai, who mm. I thought was absolutely gone, but he comes back and plays a late cameo. Ruben Cotter, yeah, uh, phenomenal. Is it Patrick Carrigan uh, from the Broncos? You know, so those guys they played out of their skin. In fact, it reminded me of an old style Queensland team where. Some of them aren't in great form in club footy. Yep. And then they play out of their skin when they put on the maroon jumper. I'll, I'll look at Ruben, Cobb, uh, Ruben Connor's performance. Cotter. Cotter, 50-odd tackles. He just never – 80 minutes of footy. This is his first origin game. He's played a handful of first-grade games for the Cowboys. His performance was absolutely phenomenal. Right, and, and so from that, Harry Grant coming off the bench, I agree with you, Clarky, with what the bench did. They certainly um, – that was the difference for mine in relation to uh, Queensland winning and New South Wales yeah. uh, missing out. We're getting the wind-up from the uh, producer. When I got home on uh, Wednesday night from Origin, my son Corey, he said, Dad, now I can see what you mean about planning a team around Harry Grant. Mm. So he comes on as the 14, but he is a phenomenal player. And he rotated with Ben Hunt. Let's not forget, he was man of the match in game three last year on the Gold Coast when they won 20-18. to 18. So – Queensland's now won back-to-back. TC, thank you so much, mate, for joining us on this long weekend. What are the plans for the rest of this Saturday and and across the long weekend? Uh, Very, very relaxing, Steve. Hopefully the weather will will, will remain as it is this morning and, um, yeah, just uh, taking the beautiful sights of the Central Coast. Yeah, love it. Uh, Thank you, mate. All the best to you and Kerry and the family. And let's not forget, coming up soon, the night of all nights, the gala night for Danica Clark Foundation. That's uh, August 13, Buttes, at Mingara and one of the best nights of the year or the best night of the year. Certainly is, mate. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Clarky. Good on you, boys. Thank you. This is Saturdays on the Coast. We do it all thanks to Robson Civil Projects. In a few moments, we're going to go live to Nerida Stewart. It's the final round of Suncorp Super Netball. I saw an absolute thriller last week, Buttes. It was a one-goal ball game between the Swifts, and there was a chance to win it against the West Coast Fever. Helen Housby had one of those two-point shots. It rims out, and the Swifts go down by one. So their season is on the line in the final round. We'll find out more in just a moment. Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land. The Coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. I hope you're enjoying the long weekend so far. We're coming to you live from the Man Cave and the show all thanks to Robson Civil Projects. Buta, I received this email this week from Chris Dixon, Business Development and Marketing Manager with Robson civil projects and he says boys absolutely love the show and he says in 2022 and beyond there's going to be a record spend on infrastructure projects so right now robson's they need plant operators and civil laborers 
graduates and undergraduates. Now, that's a program that mogul Maddie, Maddie Graham, Graham, was a part of because he was doing a double degree. Site managers, site engineers, project engineers, project managers, you name it, they need it all. So You know what I love about it? The fact that they are out there and, you know, there's so many jobs available at the moment. And, uh, you know, we hear all these, you know, the increase in interest rates and, you know, uh, unemployment and whatever else. But here is one of the local companies doing their bit uh, for locals on the coast who are looking for employment. Yeah, they actually say send your CV to jobs at robsoncivil.com.au. That's jobs at robsoncivil.com.au. And if you join Robson's, you know, you're actually joining a family. I was going to say, there's one thing you know about working for Robson's. You're going to be part of a family. You're going to be looked after. And that's one of the qualities. And that's why they've lasted so long, Steve. 60 years in the business. Uh, fantastic organisation. Yeah, and Butes, uh, just a moment ago we had Tony Clark on. Uh, what a way to start the show. And you mentioned you're at the big game. You're in the house. I was in the a, house. And a, as were you, Steve, and I've got to tell you, mate, you did a fantastic job and it was great. The atmosphere was there. It was electric. Um, obviously disappointing to, to walk away with the loss uh, as a Blues supporter. But uh, nevertheless, what a game it was. And uh, I'm looking forward to game two over in Perth. I would imagine that they will have a sellout up there. And if we do get the win over there, uh, then Suncorp State and bring on Game 3, it will be amazing. Yeah, and after everything we've been through with the pandemic, yep. how good was it to have oh. over 80,000 fans? 80,000. Do you get a start over in Perth at all or no? Yeah, yeah, yes. absolutely. how good is that? So, so fairly lucky. Uh, I'll do the Women's Origin in Canberra on the Friday night. Yep. And then we all head to Perth. And then I've been booked. Book for Brisbane as well. Have you, so, been, have you been to the Perth Stadium before? Yeah, yeah. I've done a couple of games over there. Amazing. And, yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. And, you know, it's my 24th year, Butte, so I feel like I've got a huge responsibility. I was at Origin. It began July 8, 1980, when wow. Arthur Beetson led Queensland to the promised land. Yep. Let's not forget, too, Arthur represented New South Wales, I think if you go to the record books, maybe 30 or 40 times. So Queensland's best would pull on the Blues jumper and beat their own yep. because they all played in Sydney. So that night, July 8, 1980, if you talk to some old-timers, they will say at Lang Park they felt a difference in the room. There was something in the air that night that meant that Arthur was going to draw a line in the sand and say, this ends tonight. Yep, and it appeared to be the case because that tradition has continued and, you know, that rivalry is second to none in any sporting code Anywhere in the world. Yeah. It's phenomenal. And some guys, you know, they become legends that night as well. You know, Chris Close, he's man of the match in two consecutive series, 1980 and 1981. Yep. In fact, I say series. They were one-off matches. One-off matches, yeah, yeah. And, you know, obviously he is, you know, legendary in terms of his performance and what he also brought to the uh, the Maroons in terms of their – as a team manager. Yeah. On the track. Yeah, there's a young police officer from Souths in Brisbane, Mal Meninga, playing in the centres. He did okay, apparently. Yeah, what a, what a night. And, you know, mate against mate, state against state. So Arthur's in a bit of a dust-up with a Parramatta teammate. Yes, he was. And, uh, that, you know, that's how it was back then. And that's, you know, it's great to see that that rivalry was there from day one. Was it Mick Cronin? Mick Cronin, it was, yeah, yeah. And, you know, Mick wouldn't hurt to fly. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know what, there was no stepping backwards. There was, it was all about, you know, taking 
your mate on. Hence the state versus state, mate versus mate. Yeah, yeah. We could talk about this all morning, but we're getting the wind-up from our producer, Adam Staples, back at headquarters. Off to the news. We're back in a moment. We'll talk some netball. Nerida Stewart joining us in a few moments. The final round of Suncorp Super Netball this weekend. And there's plenty of permutations. Buttes with around about three or four teams in the mix to make the finals. Vixens will finish on top. West Coast Fever in second. But we're hoping the Swifts can get there. Giants... Giants have booked their place in the final series. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land. The Coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. I uh, hope you're enjoying the long weekend so far. Steve Allen and Michael Butner and Butes, uh, you look nice and warm and cosy here in the man cave. Oh, mate, how good is it? The sun is shining and it's a beautiful day and I'm really looking forward to this long weekend. Just to chill out, relax, take it easy. I'm taking my son down to soccer today, which I'm looking forward to. Uh, he's playing with the Newcastle Jets. Um, my other son, Matt, he took off on Thursday, Steve, to Endora. He's heading to... Um, Andor- over there, Andorra, a- Andorra, which is in between Spain and France, and he's trolling with a soccer club over there. So it's, uh, yeah, really exciting times. My daughter is over there at the moment travelling, so they're going to meet up. Um, well, they would have met up yesterday uh, at about 5 o'clock or whatever it is last night, and uh, they will um, spend five days together, and then she's coming back after her six-week uh, adventure, and uh, he's going over there to... Yeah, explore opportunities with his soccer career. I tell you, that is awesome. He's a left fullback. He's a right fullback. Right fullback. He's got a good boot on him. And, uh, yeah, he's a very solid defender. So, mate, I hope opportunities open up for him. And, look, I'd say to him, look, the worst-case scenario is, you know what, mate, you're going over there, you're going to see the rest of the world. Yeah, yeah. I've, that I've seen the highlights, really. He's a fantastic player and uh, best wishes to him. I did see Kai Rolls is off to Scotland. Mm. In fact, a lot of Mariners are heading off, including Oli Bazanic. A uh, man who's been a legend at our football club, Ruon Tonyuk, is leaving as well. But for Kai Rolls, what a couple of weeks for him. So he plays against Barcelona, makes his Socceroos debut, and now he's off to Hearts in Scotland. I wonder if our favourite Scotsman, oh, I wonder if he had something to do with it. He possibly could, uh, the mayor, the former mayor. <laughs> Former Mayor Laurie McKenna. Um, uh, I'm sure he has something to do with it. He'd be pulling some strings somewhere. Yeah. Hey, uh, a lot of people road tripping at the moment, including this lady that we're about to go to, an absolute legend. In fact, a standing O in the man cave. The sound of two hands clapping. Nerida Stewart, the coach of the Australian men's netball team. Good morning and welcome to Saturdays on the Coast. Good morning, fellas. I'm uh, listening to that conversation about Spain. And uh, I think maybe I might wish I was in Spain right now where it's not so warm because it is bitterly cold in Orange. You you couldn't be any further away from Spain than where you are right now. (laughs) I'm very jealous. It's very, very cold here, very brisk. And it's, it's going to it's going to sound terrible from a sports host, but when you said Andorra, all I could think of was the show Bewitched, (laughs) and it was the it was the grandmother, the grandmother, yes, the grandmother from Hell. That's true. I remember. I remember. Hey, so, a wicked grandmother. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Hey, what's happening in Orange? What's on out there? Uh, so we've come out to watch my youngest son play in the Rugby Union uh, state, state and Country Championships. It's combined. So we're out here for three days um, watching some young juniors run around the very icy paddock. I'm, 
I wouldn't want to be doing it. So. Yeah, we're, we're going to talk about Suncorp Super Netball, but I've got to say those kind of weekends are the ones that you treasure forever. They're unforgettable. You're away with the team. Uh, normally there's a couple of great pubs in town. I dare yeah. say Orange, there'd be a pub on every corner and you're just going to have a fabulous weekend. I'm sure I'll find where those pubs are <laughs> along, with, <laughs> along with where those uh, coffee shops are. But I, look, Going out to the country for sporting competitions, the country towns just put it on. Like they really turn it on, and um, it's it is it's such a fantastic weekend. And there's a good atmosphere, and just wandering around, you can see people everywhere at the moment um, in all their colours, which is great. Um, so yeah, it'll be a good weekend. Be happy to get the games kicking off pretty soon. Yeah, and too often I think sometimes they take these events, they take them to the city, so they're held like at Sydney Olympic Park, and we, we all love that, we understand about the infrastructure yep. but once upon a time they used to be played in these smaller areas, yeah. and they and they reinvigorate the town. Uh, mate, and it's something that Oztag do so well, and you know, we've got seven tournaments up in Coffs Harbour this year um, and it's, yeah. you know it's such a great place to go to uh, people really look forward to it uh, in terms of, you know, players parents, supporters they love going up there. It's just, it's the hub of Oztag and, you know, it does. It brings so much to the community and I have no doubt that, you know, the people of Orange, Orange will be thriving uh, this long weekend with uh, all the rugby championships going on there. Now, I know you want to talk netball, but how do you feel? How will the Central Coast team go in this tournament and wouldn't it be incredible if some of the players make a state side at the end of it? Yeah, look, they, they make sort of, they choose some country sides for the older age brackets, so that would be fantastic and, I think the last time, and I'm not meaning to, you know, brag about the family a little bit, but I will, I will brag about the family a little bit. But last time we won the Central Coast one state state champs, which is the big one. That's the one against all the Sydney Sydney sides. Was back in 2014, where my husband was the coach Oy. and my son was the, the captain, and um, they won both country and state that weekend. So. Um, it's uh, we're reliving the moment, and we're actually playing on on the Max Stewart Oval, which is where, um, which is my son's name. <laughs> oh wow! Now, what are the chances of that? All the synergies. Well, it might be a good omen, I think. <laughs> the planets have aligned. Hey, hey, your daughter plays too, doesn't she? And she's uh, very talented. Yeah, Hannah. Hannah plays rugby. She's actually off to Tamworth this weekend for the senior country championship. So we've just dropped her off at the. At the, uh, we dropped her off at the station yesterday and, and she's travelling up there and playing for the weekend. Yeah. So she's um, looking forward to that as well. I thought you were going to say you dropped her off at the crossroads like the blues <laughs> legend Robert Johnson uh, used to sing about. <laughs> she was at the crossroads. Hey, uh, Suncorp Super Netball, I was at the game last week, Swifts versus West Coast Fever. Phenomenal game and one of the most enjoyable I've seen for some time. Swifts down by nine at half time. They storm back yeah. into it. Helen Housby, she has a chance late in the game. In fact, the way it unfolded, Sophie Fawns, this incredible teenager from Wagga, could have taken the one. Instead, they pass out to take a two-shot. Helen Housby misses, and the Swiss go down. So Sophie Fawns could have taken the game to overtime. She had a sitter. Uh, what are your thoughts, and what a thrilling game? Look, first of all, I mean, the, the games across the board in the last couple of weeks have been absolutely phenomenal. Like, one-point games everywhere, mm. people fighting tooth and nail to get a spot, and it's been like that for the last probably four weeks, everyone really fighting to nail that top four. But, yeah, it was, it was a cracker. I always thought that the Swiss would come back. They're a, real, they're a team that'll really just embed themselves for the full four quarters, and they have that capability to be able to sink those super shots. So... Um, look, it got down to that pressure situation and Sophie Fawns had had a great game, a, a fantastic game leading up to that really sort of last 
final moment and I think I, I'm sort of torn. It's like you know, you like people going, "Yeah, let's go for it, let's go for the the big win," sort of thing. But apparently, apparently, word on the street was Helen was shouting for that ball from us, so she turned and she delivered to to her her leader, and and unfortunately, it didn't drop for Helen. So um, it means they're under pressure. Um, this weekend. Yeah, it's something every junior player, I guess, would do, is they'd pass to the senior player. Uh, interesting one, Buttes. Uh, oh, look, I, I'd be interested to get Nerida's thoughts on as a coach, um, and I know you're probably not able to, you know, pass on the instructions out there as the game's going on or, you know, in the dying seconds, but you know, how do, do you back your players on this uh, in this situation? Do you go, okay, yeah, we're going for the win and She's had a big game and whatever else. Do you well, back I think them? I think her numbers in the end were eight from fifteen from two point range. Is that correct, Nerys? <laughs> yeah, is this for, is this Sophie or? or uh, no, um, that was or, Helen from two point range. I think eight from yeah, fifteen. She wasn't having the best game on a two pointers. Now mm. she's normally she normally leads the two pointers for the competition so far. So um, it just wasn't dropping for her. I, I look at they've switched Helen around a little bit and they put her back at, at shooter to have Kelly Singleton out in the first part of the game. And, and I think Helen naturally is a goal attack. So whether that really had an impact on, you know, her form and her rhythm as a shooter, because you get into a rhythm with your, your play and your, and your shot. But um, look, I think as a coach, it's really difficult because at some point you are handing over the reins to the players and they, and they do have to make these decisions. I think the term coach killer is probably what comes to mind at that point. I think Bryony's heart would have, gone up into her mouth at that stage but um, I think also I do know that the Swifts do a, a lot of um, they have a sports psych on board Karen Haddad just does a lot of work with them on simulation training where they work through these sorts of scenarios now I, I guarantee that would have been one of them but whether that's something that Sophie's experienced as a newcomer to the team might not be it might not be something that she's sort of been involved in um, it's, hard, it's hard to say, but I do know that they would have prepped as well as they can. But in the heat of a game, you know, like I said, if that was me and I was 18 and I had a Helen Housby behind me screaming for the ball, I'd be throwing it as well. So. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And it was such a costly loss for the reigning champions because now they've got to win this weekend, uh, you know, in, a, in the final round of the competition. They need every result to go their way because at the moment Collingwood sit in fourth place on 24, three teams on 20. Uh, It's going to be an incredible final round. But first, I just want to talk to you about another team we love. So the Swifts lose by one. Giants win by one against the Firebirds. And Julie Fitzgerald, congratulations to her team. And, you know, she's got some absolute superstars, including in the shooting circle as well. Uh, look, I think their team just plays to this, this style of game. Now, this two-point game is just, you know, something that is like, you know, a warm blanket to the Giants because they've got the likes of Joe Harton and Sophie Dwyer that can just thread that, that ball through that post from anywhere. So they know that they've got that strength in those last sort of five-minute brackets with the super shot, and um, I think that's kept them where they are. Um, and they're a team that will just, you know, same as the Swifts, they'll, they'll hang in. They don't go away. Uh, you know, to be frank, I don't think there's any team that goes away this season. Mm. Um, but they they had a, a cracker, and I think for them this weekend, they're really looking to, I think they take on the fire, uh, sorry, lightning this weekend. So they're really looking to secure a home minus semi by doing that. So, um, but I think lightning are going to come at them strong and they'll be ready because they've got nothing to lose. Like, 
you know, they're, they're ready to throw it all. And, and they can battle them as well. They've got a Steph Wood and a Riley Bachelor that can do those two-pointers just as well as Sophie and uh, Joe. So I think that'll be a cracking game. Yeah, I tell you, I, I love Joe Harden. And also we love Lauren Moore from the Central Coast out, yeah. of, the, out of the Battle Bay Dolphins. I saw Lauren clocked up 50 Suncorp Super Netball matches with the Swifts and also now with the Giants. And that's a, a fantastic achievement for a young lady from the Central Coast. Uh, Lauren's an amazing player, and it's and she's very worthy of cr- of cracking up that milestone in her in her uh, career. And I, I look, she's not going away. I think she's she's going to be around for a while, and I'm sure we'll see a hundred games from her at some point because she really is a formidable player and someone that's a great asset to any team that she's in. And you know, you have the changeover, the changing of the guards, and you've got an April Brandley that's probably heading towards the back end of her career, and there's a spot there for Lauren to sort of secure in that lineup so yeah it's, it's great to see Loz doing really really well I love her as a player she's she's a great asset. Nerida going into the final round <clears throat> it appears the Vixens Fever and Giants they're okay uh, Magpies are sitting in fourth spot at the moment on 24 points but there are three teams that are there vying for that you know coveted fourth position how do you see playing out who are we going to see in the take that fourth spot? Well I, I think um, like Collingwood Oh, they, they could do it. They've, they've had a great uh, season so far, and um, I think they could probably bring the win away this week, but it'll be a big ask for them. I think in the end it'll come come down to those um, those teams that have the points. So it'll be the two points will come straight into play um, for the points for and against to nail it. And, oh, I don't know. I'd love to see the Swifties do something really exciting and, and get in there so that we've got a a giant Swiss game next weekend, but um, I reckon I'm, I, I know I'm going to sit on the fence. It could be anyone's. You could throw it up in the air and anything could land this weekend. So um, it's great for the sport of netball to be able to watch that. Yeah. I don't want to throw you under the bus, but have you got thoughts? Uh, actually, you can plead the fifth if you like, but I'll ask the question. You know, so... <laughs> And you know what the question is. So the Vixens will finish... Well, they're on 44 at the moment. Let's say they win, they finish on 48. There's no doubt they're going to be minor premiers in 2022. And yet it's already been announced that the grand final is heading to the West in 2022. I've never heard so many people disgruntled about a decision, including the Players Association, who said they weren't consulted. So entirely up to you if you want to pass comment. If not, we'll let you go on your merry way in Orange. Look, I think I think a sport has become a business. We have to look at it like that when we're trying to run big competitions like Suncorp. So, you know, I, these people have paid the big dollars to make these decisions. I, I would never put myself in that position personally. But I, I think probably a lot of the chit-chat is around, you know, there's an understanding of the why that it, it needed to happen and that, the you know, it's a good opportunity for the sport to get some funding and, and they are, you know, really recovering from from the last couple of years of COVID and what that's done to the sport financially as, lo- as well as the competition. Um, so there's a bit of chit-chat around that it would have been nicer if there was a different process involved and a lot of people were sort of consulted over it and, and probably the timing for me probably sits a bit um, a bit awkward and, and but, you know, is there ever a good time to make really massive decisions to save a sport and keep it running? So... Um, yeah, I, I'll leave that to the people that are paid the big dollars to do that. But I understand the frustrations from everyone involved because when you're in a season and you're fighting for that home grand final, like that's what you want. I want the grand final in my home because you've got that little edge. 
I can see that there, that would sort of slip in and be a little frustrating, but um, how good would it be to win it over in Fever against their home crowd? <laughs> yeah, yeah, very diplomatic answer. And, uh, hey, by the way, you in a Mack truck. I could hear the reverse uh, noise going off there. No, just the big Venga bus, mate. Just the Venga bus. <laughs> hey, thanks so much. Thanks so much for joining us. Great to have you back on the show. And uh, good luck to everyone playing in the rugby in Orange this weekend. Thanks so much, fellas. Have a great weekend. Stay warm and um, I'll uh, see you in a few weeks. Yeah, we're nice and cosy in the man cave. Yes, uh, Nerida Stewart, we love her, the coach of the Australian men's netball team. What a final round it'll be. That Swiss match against the Firebirds is 4 o'clock on Sunday afternoon. So tomorrow... I'll be there. I'll be at the Bulldogs, the oh, big rivalry against, against Parramatta on Monday. Big clash. Looking forward to that one too. And, you know, hopefully the Bulldogs can turn it around. It's been a tough season for them. But uh, <laughs> I can't see it happening this weekend, unfortunately. Yeah, this is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. Uh, after 10 this morning, I'm uh, going to play something special, Buttes. Uh, I've had the pleasure of speaking with Kerry Pothast, gold medalist from Sydney 2000 with Natalie Cook in the beach volleyball. Fantastic. Yeah, she'll be on my podcast, The Perfect Ten, the episode coming out probably next week. But she talks about mindset, about how winning a bronze in Atlanta, the first time beach volleyball was ever held, yep. to the way they changed their mindset, almost like they signed a contract and they had someone come in who was like a mind coach, but everything they did was geared towards winning gold in Sydney. They were playing a team that had a, an unbelievable record, 17-1. and one. Yeah, and it's going to be great to hear that and, and get an insight into someone who, you know, went down that path and actually succeeded with what they had planned. And, and it says a lot about, you know, planning, setting goals and actually putting steps in place. And when you do that, the results do come. Now, look, there's no guarantees you're going to get a gold medal but they did everything they possibly could to achieve their goal. And it, as it turned out, it worked. Yeah, and she'll also talk about playing in a home Olympics. So yeah. no one had ever experienced that because the last Olympic Games were in 1956 in Melbourne. Yes, of course. So re really looking forward to playing it back. I think a lot of junior athletes who listen to the story will get a lot from it. A lot of senior athletes as well. No uh, doubt about it. You're exactly right about goal setting. It's Saturdays on the Coast, all thanks to Robson Civil Projects. Thanks also to McDonald Jones Homes. Hope you're enjoying the long weekend. We're back in just a moment. Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. Robson Civil, with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience. Visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land, the coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. Steve Allen, Michael Butner, live from the Man Cave. Great to see you, Butes. Gee, you're looking well. Mate, it is great to be here, and I'm really looking forward to what's coming up with uh, Kerry Potast in the second hour. Yeah, I can't wait to play it, so she will be on my podcast podcast uh the perfect 10 yeah it used to be called the perfect 10 because it was 10 minute bite-size interviews but i've thrown that format out the window <laughs> kerry podcast runs for about an hour but she talks about going from bronze in atlanta to that winning mindset and this is what i really love and i think people will get plenty from it so her and natalie cook they really changed their mentality and to to win gold in sydney yeah she also talks about actually competing in her hometown, which, yeah, there was enormous pressure, but she tried to block that out. And she also says it was almost like Maxwell Smart where during the game she was almost going into the cone of silence where all she was trying to focus on was the little moments between herself and Natalie. Yeah, it's amazing to get an insight into how athletes, you know, go about this process and what it takes. And, you know, you also hear things about Stephen Bradbury and how, you know, he was the, 
accidental hero or accidental gold medals medalist. But you know, he spent 14 years getting to that point, and these girls have done likewise. They spent years and years getting to the point where they did the hard yards and finally got rewarded uh, on the beaches of uh, Bondi. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think Kerry makes her debut with the Australian indoor team in 1982, and she actually never thinks she's going to make an Olympics yep. because beach volleyball is just not even on the radar. Yep. I think she ends up having about six knee surgeries. So her tenacity to make it, and then when she's there, she's the best serving player because of her indoor background. She's the best serving player in the world. Hey, Butte's also in the second hour. Nick Montgomery, fantastic news. It broke late yesterday. Yeah, great news it, for the Mariners. That he's re-signed for a further two years. And uh, what a legend. Wore the shirt. One of my favourite players, actually. He was a, an A-League All-Star and just a fantastic guy. He's been very generous with his time with us. So yeah, Looking look, forward to that interview, mate. Yeah, this is Saturdays on the Coast. We're off to the news. Back soon on SEM. Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land. The Coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. Uh, welcome back after the news and thanks to all of our guests in the first hour. Don't forget, there's also the catch-up podcast. So simply download the SEN app, look for Saturdays on the Coast and you can hear all of the interviews. Tony Clark joining us, also Nerida Stewart. Love having her on the show. Yep. Big second hour as well with Nick Montgomery. He has re-signed for a further two years with the Mariners. We'll also find out about the country rugby union being held in Tamworth. Larry Thompson, OAM, is on his way there. Right now, though, Buttes, Kerry Pothast, OAM, gold medalist from Sydney 2000. Now, you've heard some of this interview. It's on my podcast, The Perfect Ten, and the episode coming out maybe in the next week. But what are your thoughts? Uh, We start where she talks about winning bronze in Atlanta, but how the mindset has to change. Yeah, and I love the way that, you know, and we'll hear this uh, as the uh, as it plays out. We're very fortunate to have an Olympic gold medalist, first of all, to actually, you know, talk about that journey. Um, and, um, you know, that insight where, you know, the, the game plan that they put together going into the Olympics and how they were going to approach it was so methodical, so detailed. It wasn't just about playing beach volleyball. There was a whole lot more to it, uh, and what they did to get to that level was absolutely phenomenal, including talking to other athletes about what it was like playing in front of uh, a big home crowd. So um, I'm looking forward to this uh, interview, Steve. It's going to be fantastic, and to get the whole lot of it is, you know, on the perfect 10. It's about an hour, but we've just got a little snippet here, but it's well worth it. Yeah, and we start with Kerry. Uh, So she talks about they won bronze in Atlanta, so it's the first time beach volleyball has been held and they were playing so well, but I asked Kerry, did she feel like they could have gone back-to-back in both Atlanta and Sydney? You kind of have to have those moments where things are in your control or in your grasp and then you, you lose them or you, you fail to reach a goal and that just gives you the, the learnings that you need then to go forth and, and get the one that you're probably destined for, which is what how it felt for us. So. Coming off the back of Atlanta, I mean, obviously winning a, a bronze is pretty special because you lose the semi and then you win your last game and you're standing on the podium. So bronze medalists are often happier in our sport than the silver medalists Yeah, because yeah. you've come off with a win, right? So coming off the back of Atlanta, we, we'd learnt so much and we knew that 
the missing piece was not necessarily just going to be physical or strategic, which we still worked on all the time. It was really going to be about the mental side of the game. So um, within a couple of years, we we got a, a success coach on board. Natalie met him. We had a little time apart, Natalie and I, um, because we got a little bit cocky about having won a medal and we thought we were great and we started to blame each other and then we looked around for different options and I, I decided I wanted to play with somebody else to give it a go and that work, worked well on the court but off the court was really difficult. We just didn't gel at all personality-wise. So Natalie and I got back together and then when I got back together with her, she would met our success coach already. Um, his name is Kirik Ashley and she brought him on board and he made the difference for the last year and a half leading into the games, really helping us with that belief. Yeah, wow, what an answer. Uh, what kind of things did he implement to change your game? Well, first of all, he realised in Natalie that she needed to stop worrying about what people thought um, and become more uh, less self-conscious and, and just more courageous and, and just be who she was. Um, and that was what he started working on with her and her partner that when we were split up in that short time. And then when I came back together with her, um, he then saw that he really needed to work on our teamwork and we put together a plan. You know, we, we went away with our volleyball coach and our conditioning coach and we put together a plan that we ended up calling Gold Medal Excellence and that was like our business plan. And in that, it included uh, our purpose. You know, we had to really dig into why we wanted to win a gold medal, what it was going to mean to us, and then um, our code of conduct. So what we, what rules were we going to put around ourselves as individuals and as a team, um, around our communication and the way we related to each other, the respect that we had for each other, and those rules would get us to where we wanted to go. And then there was a, a component that w we called our winning way. And that was all about the things we had to do to beat every team in the world, because we kind of knew the pathway would lead to playing the Brazilian number one team in the world in the final, because we kind of knew what seeding we were going to get. So by making sure that we could beat them, in fact, that would then help us beat everybody else. So we had certain components around the the, the game that we knew we had to be good enough at to beat everyone in the world. And then the last component of that plan was all around who we were. So who did we have to be? You know, what type of people, what characteristics did we then need to be the best in the world at our sport? And so we looked around us and looked at other sports people that were the top of their, lev their game, but also business people, and just went, what characteristics do these people have? that make them the best at what they're doing. And we pulled out all those and we kind of put those characteristics that we thought that suited us and that we needed and we put them in the plan. And then we laminated that plan. It was set in Olympic rings. Um, so again, it was visual and colorful. We laminated it and we signed it like a contract. We called it our gold medal excellence plan because what we knew we had to do to get the gold medal, we had to, you live our lives as if we were gold medalists in the lead up. So we had to act like gold medalists, train like gold medalists, think like gold medalists. So by the time the opportunity came along, we already felt comfortable in that environment. Obviously you play a team that had an unbelievable record in the final, but I want to know about the senses. So you mentioned about walking up the ramp in Atlanta and that's so powerful. And then 
What are your senses like in Sydney? What is different to you from the outset? The thing was that by the time we got to Sydney, we were comfortable with it being different. And this is the most important part. We learned how to be uncomfortable because no one knew what it was going to be like playing in Sydney. No athlete could have had any experience of a home games because it hadn't been, you know, they hadn't played in 56, for instance, or they hadn't competed back then in Melbourne. So that they just we just didn't know what it was going to be like playing at home. So that, for one, it was the biggest difference. And having your family and your friends so close, knowing that they're all in the, the stands and everyone's just cheering for you, like in Bondi, 10,000 people cheering for you was incredibly loud. But when you lost a point or made a mistake, they all felt sorry for you. So that, oh, <laughs> it's just as loud. So it's the emotional roller coaster that was really, really different. Um, and that really hits you in the heart. And and we actually nearly lost our first match because of that, because we, we felt so connected and responsible to the crowd that we felt like we were letting them down when we were losing points. So we had to deal with that as, as the games went on. And we, we did a couple of, so we talked to a sports psych, we talked to some other athletes who perhaps were used to coming home to a home crowd, like the tennis players were the only sport really we could think would come home to a, a home crowd. So we actually went into the village we hooked up a meeting with them and we sat down with Leighton Hewitt and just talked to them about what it was like coming home, Pat Rafter, um, you know, and playing in front of a home crowd. And they gave us kind of some tips and tricks. And Pat left me with something that I did take on and and kind of it grew on me as, as the games progressed. And by the time we got to the final, Pat said to me, it's almost like you have to build a little cocoon of silence around yourself. You know, the crowd is there and you kind of feel that energy, but you can't focus on it. You, you can't let your focus go out into the crowd. So for me, the way I, I dealt with that, it was almost like, remember in Get Smart, you know, they would have the cone of silence. <laughs> I love the cone of silence. And that was kind of like the cone of silence. I hadn't really named it. I hadn't thought of it like that, but it, I, I started to be able to just kind of sense the crowd, hear the crowd, but not be, not really tune into them. And I was just tuned into Natalie. I really came together with Natalie and everything was just on our side of the court. And I was also connected to what was happening on the other side of the court. I didn't know where my family was. I didn't know where the coaches were because um, we're not allowed coaches on the court. So they're, they're in, you know, somewhere in the crowd. I didn't know where anyone was sitting because I was so focused on what was happening in the court. So when I watched that, the video of the last point landing out, I, I served a big serve. Um, they weren't able to control. It was going over on our side. I chased it to the sideline. And as that ball was landing out, you know, Natalie was screaming towards me as in, saying, you know, yelling out, leave it or it's out or something because she knew it was going out. But I, I kind of just instinctually went to it anyway. I let it drop. And at that moment that it dropped, I dropped to the ground and it was like that cone of silence that shattered all around me. And I could hear literally everybody screaming and Natalie was on top of me and it it was just like my senses just came alive and I was almost I stayed on the ground for a bit and she's kind of saying get up get up you know celebrate with the crowd and I was almost too scared to look up because I knew everyone was looking at me and I still have this sense of being you know I'm not really comfortable with being the center of attention <laughs> to believe believe it or not but I had to I had to become comfortable with it. So the moment that the game was finished, I really didn't I wasn't comfortable there for for you know a few minutes until I got up and you know 
and realise what we had achieved. And, you know, then then I relished in it and absolutely loved it every moment. Yeah, yeah. And I know you've spoken about it a lot before, but uh, so the team you beat, were was their record 17-1 and one against you guys? Yeah. Yes, it was 17 matches we'd played in the lead-up apparently had been counted, but one has, is all we had beaten them. And that was three months leading it, three months before the Olympics we'd beaten them. And then the next weekend at the very next event in another country, they beat us back right back so we just had that one win to kind of give us the last piece of belief I guess and you know but the belief for us was not through the experience of beating them it was through everything that we'd done in the lead up all the work that we'd done the the crazy things the glass walking the fire walking the um, blindfolded rock climbing as a team you know all the things to put us out of our comfort zone so by the time we were in uncomfortable situations it was okay you know we didn't falter we didn't we didn't get scared. We just took it on. And um, the Brazilians were leading the whole entire, like we played the best of three sets. We won in the first two sets. They were leading both sets by a, a big uh, point lead, of the four or five points. So we just had to kind of keep digging our heels in. And it was almost like there was a moment where the Brazilians, you know, they, they're winning, they're winning, they're celebrating, they're feeling good. You know, they know that they're probably going to win. They're thinking that they know they're probably going to win because they're the best team, you know, on paper and they've beaten us so many times. But, you know, then these Australian girls just kept on coming back all the time and and you could almost see on their faces at one point it was like, when are these girls going to give up and let us win? And we didn't and we just kept coming back, coming back and we just picked them at the post, you know, the one point and two points in each set over the top of them and, and the set was done. And they, I think they they were in a little bit of shock for a while. They just didn't really know what happened, whereas we just never let it go. We just went, no, this is what we've been working towards. This is what our mindset has been telling us, that this is we believe we can do this and we're just going to keep going. We're not going to stop. We're not going to just believe that, that they're the better, better team. This is our day. And the funny thing is a couple of days after that, we were being interviewed by somebody and the journo said, did you sleep much the night before the final? And Natalie said, no, I hardly slept at all. And I looked at her and said, oh, my God, I didn't either. But we were both trying to stay quiet so the other one would get some sleep. But we were so excited. You know, we weren't worried. We were excited this time. And um, the journo asked Nat and said, well, what were you thinking about all night? And she said, I was practising my victory speech. And I just gasped and looked at her and said, so was I. <laughs> So we were both lying there thinking about what we were going to do after we'd won the gold medal. And to me, that just showed that we were in a place of absolute belief. There was nothing that was going to rock our belief that day. Uh, For our listeners who haven't seen volleyball, what speed do you serve at? Uh, I'm sure you've been clocked on the radar gun. Yeah, I was the fastest server in Atlanta, uh, the first Olympics at I think it was 84 maybe or 82 kilometres an hour, and then I upped it by Sydney, I think it was 80, it was 85 or 87, one or the other, I can't remember now, but I was definitely the fastest server of my time back then, and that was most definitely one of our weapons, and I served an ace in the second to last point, and then I, then I kind of, I thought, I'm not going to back off the pressure, I'm just, I served an ace down the line, like on the line for a winner, and then I thought, no, I'm going to just reduce my risk a little bit, and I'm going to go through the middle of the court, um, but with the same pace. And so it's that thought and it's that confidence at that point at a match 
point for a gold medal to serve just as hard but with a little bit less risk those decision making things that can only happen when you have that belief and I was just so calm in making that decision and that's why I was able to to execute it can you describe in 25 words or less what it's like when you're standing there on the dais arm in arm with someone after winning a gold medal at the Olympics and let's not forget you know the Olympics I think if you go to the notes they were first held 776 BC to 393 AD originally and mostly Greek soldiers were involved but anyone could take part and it was the best of the best and you're part of an elite club of people that reach the pinnacle of sport. What is it like when you've won a gold medal and the Aussie flag is being raised? I can only imagine. In fact, the hairs are standing on end at the moment. What a moment to celebrate with someone after years of blood, sweat and tears. Well, just listening to your question, I started to get all goosebumpy as well. And, you know, trying to feel how I felt when I was standing there with Natalie, I think proud is probably the, the, the only word. You know, there are plenty of other beautiful words that we could add in there, but feeling proud, the proudest moment of my absolute life, and then feeling so connected and so together with Natalie, like we're sisters, we're not blood sisters, but we are far closer than that. We are sisters in life um, until the day we both leave this earth. We will always, always remember the journey that we spent together. Kerry Pothast. Olympic gold medalist, and that's an extract from the Perfect Ten podcast. And Butes are so privileged. I mean, I just pinched myself that I actually had access to Kerry Pothast, and so open and honest. Uh, throughout the podcast, she also talks about you know being bullied when she was younger because, like Nicola McDermott, she's tall. She's over six foot. Yep. She's got a strange surname, Pothast. Uh, but what a career! Indoor volleyball, where she represents Australia from 1982 onwards. Uh, she talks about some of the great players she came up against, but also bronze in Atlanta, gold in Sydney. She does come back for Athens, although that's not a great memory because she doesn't get the farewell that a lot of athletes crave for. Oh, of course, and it's you know ideally that's how you want to go out. But to have that experience like she did in Sydney, to do it alongside, as she described it, like her sister um, in Natalie... Cook is just phenomenal and you know what to hear that insight to hear that understanding and to see that some 22 years later the goosebumps still come the hairs on the you know on the back of her neck still stand up when she talks about it or when she hears somebody talk about it that's what's special about what she did and and you know what each and every one of us who were watching that Olympics, we remember the beach volleyball and how significant it was. Yeah, I think you could play that interview to all young athletes coming through about what is required to go from not just a podium finish but to the top of the dais. Oh, 100%. And, and again, I, I spoke before the interview, the detail that they went through. It's just phenomenal. And it was a, a business plan uh, and that's how they went about it. Uh, and they made it not just about beach volleyball but about everything that they had to do, tick every possible box. We're not going to leave any stone unturned. Yeah, well done, Butes. Uh, so great analysis there. Uh, thanks for listening on this long weekend. Hope you're having a great time so far. Pleasure to have you listening. And uh, we're off to a break. We'll come back in a moment, talk some country rugby with Larry Thompson and then Nick Montgomery joining us after 10.30 after the news. Uh, Nick has re-signed for a further two years with the Central Coast Mariners. Saturdays on the coast, all thanks 
All thanks to our great partners, Robson Civil Projects, on SEN. Robson Civil, with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience. Visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land, the coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Saturdays on the Coast on SEN, Steve Allen and former New South Wales and Australian Rugby League legend Michael Butner. Great to see you on this long weekend. Uh, it's good to be here, Steve, and what a great day it is and great weekend. Everybody loves the Monday off. Is this our new favourite spot, the Man Cave? Uh, mate, it's not a bad spot. It could be our spiritual home moving forward. Hey, we do this show all thanks to Robson Civil Projects. They're celebrating 60 years, a, a legendary local company, third-generation business, and, of course, they work in Sydney, Newcastle, right here on the Central Coast and also expanded out to Dubbo in 2022. Yeah, and great supporters of the show. They've been here from day one and uh, we really appreciate their support. Yeah, absolutely. Shout out to Greg Ferguson, one of our great mates, who's running point. Mm. He's running the show in Dubbo at the moment and I'm planning to head out there in a few weeks to do some uh, social media. Well, apparently my sources tell me he's actually earning his uh, coin over the last couple of weeks. For once. Yeah, for once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, let's go live to where well, you'll hear in a moment. I think he's road tripping on his way to Tamworth for the Country Rugby Championships. This guy deserves a standing O, the greatest administrator of all time, in a photo finish with Gary Birkinshaw. Yeah. Larry Thompson, good morning, mate. Good, hey, good morning, boys. Good morning. Uh, so tell us what's on in Tamworth this weekend. Big rugby tournament and uh, hopefully the Central Coast right in the thick of the action come finals time. Yeah, it's the New South Wales Country Championships is held every year and uh, teams from all over New South Wales country compete. There's nine teams, uh, nine zones across New South Wales country. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a pinnacle of country rugby. And uh, we've added three teams. Uh, we've got the senior the senior men, senior 15, first 15. Uh, got a women's 15 team and the co-op, which is under 19. So, and these three teams have been preparing for the last two to three months, uh, ready for this weekend. Uh, Larry, it's great to see that the uh, the girls are getting a, a start at these championships, um, the under-15s girls. What, what's the expectations uh, in relation to their performances? As a senior team, um, uh, we'll, we'll struggle a little bit, to be honest, because our competition here on the Central Coast is um, a tennis-side competition. Yep. Um, it's been very successful. But when they go to the country championship, they play 15 a side. Mm. Um, it's a little, but the coach Michael Burgess has really worked well. He's a very good coach, and he'll have them prepared. And last year was very, very competitive, and I think will be more so this year. So it's a little bit of a struggle, uh, just going from tens to fifteens. But um, I think Michael Burgess, Burgess will have the girls prepared. Hey, Larry, what about our men's side? Are we one of the best regions in country rugby in New South Wales? Yes, we are, and that's that's being unbiased. Uh, we um. It's a long time since we won the Cornwall Cup. The Cornwall Cup is the big cup, the pinnacle of country rugby, and um, we won three years running in 2005, six, and seven. So it's 15 years since we won it, but we've always been close. We've just been very close to the mark. But um, I think we've got a really good chance this year because our coach Craig McWilliams put a lot of work into it. He was coached last year. He was very disappointed about the results last year. Um, but I think this year we've got the best players from across the coast in the team, so I think we'll, we'll go OK. And a draw suits us. Uh, today we play uh, Mid-North Coast at 12 o'clock and, um, and then we play Far North Coast this afternoon. 
if we can win those two games, we're in the final tomorrow. So let's hope they can get the two wins. Larry, you talk about the local guys and, uh, you know, if they, they are going to have success, can you name some of the players who we can keep an eye on? And it's probably going to be the key for this uh, Central Coast team. Yeah, the captain, Ethan McGuinness from Terrigal, he's, um, um, and Sam Kenny, Ethan McGuinness has really uh, been a standout for Central Coast rugby for many, many years. He's, um, he's, uh, he's played for, I think, almost 10 years in the Central Coast rep team and is a real leading figure and I think he's a key player just for his motivation to the younger players. Got a lot of experience. We've got players such as Joseph Abai, who's a big lock from the Razorbacks from Marimba. Uh, very powerful player. Um, but across the board, uh, a new player in uh, Mitch McGrath, halfback, is played in Sydney. Um, and uh, Mitch Jacob from Avoca. So the best part about the, the senior 15 is that we've got representatives from nearly all the clubs on the Central Coast mainly from the Boca, Terrigal and the Razorbacks, but all clubs are covered. Yeah, and Larry, for the uh, the final question this morning, for the first time in many years, Terrigal, the Trojans, not on top of the competition, Avoca, a legendary club here, powerhouse club, currently on top of the first grade competition. Yeah, that's, um, oh, well, that's a surprise. Avoca's done very well. I mentioned Michael Burgess as the coach of the women's team. He's, he's been appointed the first grade coach today at uh, this year at um, Aboga and done very well. I think this year the, the comp seems to be very, very even. There's seven teams, very, very even, and already in the first part of the season that there's been defeats of each other. Uh, probably Gosford and Warwoy are the only teams that really can't compete this year, unfortunately, for the finals. But it's a very open competition, yeah, but terrible. Yeah, but they got beaten by the Razorbacks um, uh, early in the year, so uh, we'll see where the current premiers end up this year. Yeah, and uh, just finally, mate, uh, do they name a country team at the end of the weekend? Yeah, they do. They're called the Cockatoos. Um, they name uh, a country senior team, a women's team, and a coach team, and they go on and play further representative games against some Queensland teams, uh, some Sydney teams. Yeah, so there's a pathway. Uh, they also have a, a national a sort of country championships in Adelaide for all the, for the minor states as well. So there is a pathway, and hopefully, as long as we can call all cup today uh, for, uh, and tomorrow, uh, we can also get some boys into the into the um, senior in the yeah, well done, Larry. I, I wish I was out there with you. I love Tamworth. Uh, there's so many great old pubs out there. You'll have a cracking weekend. Safe travels, and thanks for joining us on this long weekend. Uh, always a pleasure, Steve and Michael. Yeah, so, yeah, a bit, bit, I think it'll be a bit cold in Tamworth, but uh, looking forward to it, and hopefully you have a successful weekend for the three teams. Yeah, awesome. Larry Thompson, absolute legend in local rugby. Oh, by the way, Larry, you're an OAM, is that correct? That's correct, yeah. Got a, oh, a few years ago, yeah, it's a, a big honour. Yeah, congratulations, mate. So thoroughly deserved for your services to rugby. Well done, mate. Uh, thank you, Steve. Thank you very much. Larry Thompson joining us this morning. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEM. Back in a few moments, Kerry Potthouse. We're going to play an extract from my upcoming podcast with Kerry where she talks about winning gold in Sydney in 2000. Looking forward to it, Steve. Yeah, I am too. Uh, also, Nick Montgomery will join us. Socceroos, wow, it's do or die, Buttes. In a, a 
against Peru. Couple of days' time. Uh, Tuesday, it's a 4 a.m. start, so we'll all be up early with the green and gold on. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land. The Coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Saturdays on the Coast on SEN and loving the long weekend so far. In fact, Butes, I think I've said before, I move emotion that every weekend is a long weekend. I'm with you, mate. Just that three-day <laughs> weekend, you cannot have enough of it. Bring it on. They used to have long weekends in the UK. Let's ask Nick Montgomery, the Central Coast Mariners head coach, who joins us. He's extended his deal for another two years. He hasn't resigned. He's re-signed. Yes. Uh, can you believe what I heard yesterday? And I thought, no way. It can't happen. Surely he's not leaving the it Mariners. cannot happen. But, Monty, congratulations, mate. A new two-year deal. Yeah, thanks, guys. Nice. Uh, obviously, an honour to, 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 to manage the club as, as head coach for the first season. But, look, I think it's important now that we build on what we did last year. And, and for myself and Sergio, my assistant, to, to sign a two-year extension, I think that uh, you know, I think that sets the... The platform for us to continue, um, you know, continue developing players and and, and competing in the A League for the next couple of years for sure, mate. It's uh, it's on the back of a, a very successful season. Um, obviously disappointed with the way the boys went out against Adelaide, but nevertheless, uh, all that being said, what a great year it was for the team when you consider the number of players that have come through. And obviously, there's guys now that have gone on um, to represent their country at not only the senior level but also at the under twenty three level. Yeah, it's been a great season. Like, you know, you just mentioned them, Buse, about all the players that have come through the academy. I've had the pleasure to work with them the last couple of years and to see them develop, you know, not into A-League players, but into international players. And, you know, we just, uh, we just, uh, you know, the two have just gone overseas now to, to, to Scotland in Kyrolls and, and Lewis Miller. You probably saw the news break today. So, you know, really, really happy for them boys. I think it uh, speaks volumes for what we do as a club and, Having the ability to, you know, to, to, to not only develop players, but for them to be, you know, for them to, to get what, you know, their dream is probably to play in Europe and in top competitions is, is something that the Mariners prides itself on. So, yeah, look, you know, long may it continue, and there's there's plenty of good young players coming through the academy and the MPL system, and always we're on the lookout for good young players around the country as well. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's been it's been it's been a, a, a really good season. Cup final, top six, and yeah, a busy time now with players departing, you know, recruiting players as well, and, and that's uh, that's how it works. Hey, Nick, uh, I'll ask you about the players in a moment, but it is the long weekend. We heard, like, uh, someone in the back seat there. Uh, where are you off to on this long weekend? Yeah, so I've just got the, uh, the family in the car. We're heading down to Sydney, and then, yeah, we'll probably have a couple of days there and, and see where see where that takes us. But, yeah, it's just nice to get a bit of time with the family and, and, and switch off a little bit from football, which is never, ever easy. Um but yeah, just just a long weekend. Go and make use of it. Yeah, absolutely. So Kai Rolls, a young man from Palm Beach, my old football club when I was growing up, and uh, what a career he's had so far. Really proud of what he's done, and he's gone to Hearts Football Club. Is that correct in Scotland? And can you tell us a little more about that club? Yeah, look, number one, Kai is a, he's a fantastic uh, player, great person, and. Obviously, us as a club and myself as as a head coach are really really happy for Kai. I think he's been a uh, you know I think he's been a consistent performer for the last couple of seasons, and he's an inspiration for everybody because you know he had a tough period a couple of years ago where the club wasn't winning games, and the last two years he's been uh, you know he's been he's been one of the best players. So off the back of that, full national team cap and 
and now uh, I moved to Hearts, which is uh, you know one of the biggest clubs in in the SPL. So you know, it's a fantastic move for Kai. Mate, what about uh, the performance? And I want to touch on uh, Qual and, and the season he had, but his performance against the uh, the Barcelona team. Um, I'll tell you what, if he puts those two goals in, the one hit the post, one just went to the left. <laughs> yeah, he's, he puts on, those, he's packing his bags. He's on a plane to Spain. Yeah, how long have we got him for, mate? How long do you anticipate the club will keep him for? Well, I think uh, Xavi and Aubameyang were ready to, uh, to to drag him on the plane the next day with him, but... Uh, and uh, look, Grant is a fantastic talent. He's he's come through this year. We've developed him. Sort of got himself in the early goal stats team. So um, yeah, look, he's uh, you know he's with us. He's with us for the foreseeable future. But like any young player, you know, as soon as you start playing at the highest level, then you're going to have uh, people watching you. And he's definitely got a lot of big clubs watching him, which is good for all the rest of the young boys at the club as well. Hey, let's not forget, too, that his brother, Aloe, scored a screamer, the Scorpion kick for the under-23s. Yeah, it's funny. I don't think I ever saw a Scorpion kick for probably 20 years. And then all of a sudden, you know, Riley McGree scores one a few years ago. And then uh, Garuccio scores one. But I think if you look at all the, the them Scorpion kicks, I mean, what, what Aloe did is athleticism to probably be six foot. You know, six foot in the air and do a scorpion kick in, in an international under twenty three game. Um, I've seen him do that in training, and he's uh, you know he's a massive talent as well over at Stuttgart now. And hopefully next year we can we can get some games for them, and if not, go on loan and and start playing plenty of games because uh, yeah, that's what he needs. He needs to keep playing games, but yeah, he's uh, a very talented family. Hey Nick, we obviously want to talk about the Socceroos versus Peru, but uh, on Monday it was announced a, a whole bunch of players are leaving the club and. Some of them absolute legends. So Oli Bazanic is on his way out. Ruan Tonyik, I saw, is also on the move. And I'm sure you want to say a few things about some players that have really paved the way for Mariners to come. Yeah, for sure. Look, you know, football is football, and it doesn't always doesn't always work out. We, you know, we have a tight budget. Everybody knows that, and, and unfortunately, you know, we only have um, you know we can only fit so many players within that budget. To compete, so look, you know, we did offer contracts to some players. Uh, some players, you know, chose to chose to move on, and I think Matt Hatch is a, a perfect example of that. He's, he's someone that's been at the club a long time. Um, you know, he's come through the academy, um, and then look, he felt that possibly moving away from the central coast and getting a fresh start was, was the right thing for him. So you know, we we decided that 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 was probably a good idea for for Hatchy to move on, and he goes with our blessing. Um, so yeah, look, it's you know it's that time of year. Players, you know, players move on to other clubs. I love um, player. Sorry, got what we say. I was going to say, mate, I love the approach you have with this. Like, obviously, you know, you as a coach would love to keep all these players. You've developed them over, a, and I guess they've become almost part of the family for you in terms of um, the amount of time that you spent with these guys over the last four or five years, whatever it's been. Gee, you're spot on, Butes. Like, look at the work that uh, Monty and the way he's back, Matt Hatch. Yeah. I mean, it'd be like watching your own son go somewhere. Yeah, 100%. But the thing about it is he's going with the blessing. And well, you know what? Ultimately, I guess, Monty, your role as a head coach uh, of an, an A-League club, and in particular the Mariners, is to allow these guys the opportunity to develop their game. And whether that means staying at the Mariners and doing it there or, you know, going on the world scale like we've seen with Kai Rolls and, and what have you. You know, Butes, when I started in radio, uh, my first boss, he said, you don't want to stay here. Yep. You want to leave here and go and learn how to be a broadcaster, like in a smaller area. But, you know, from the word go, he was saying, you need to go somewhere else and learn, learn your trade. Yep. Um, and it's pretty much the same, isn't it, Nick, for you guys? 
Yeah, for, look, for someone like Hatchie again, great lad from the Central Coast. And, and look, he's, you know, Jacob Farrell came in this year. Hatchie was a left-back, you know, uh, not long ago and we sort of converted him to more attacking player. Um, and look, Jacob Farrell is, is one of the best left-backs in the competition. So, look, sometimes, it, it, you know, you struggle to get game time and, and, and that's what we were never going to hold Hatchie back. So, look, it was a bit of an emotional uh, conversation. But like I said, he, he went with our blessing and, and, look, you know, we did offer, we could have offered him a, a new contract, but I think after after discussions with him, you know, with him, I thought it was the best thing for him and, and everybody. And, and, and look, he's uh, you know he gets an opportunity now to go to Perth on, and, and hopefully it can be, it can become a regular there. And one thing he'll always be is a mariner. And uh, look, football is football. Maybe he'll be back here in a few years, or maybe he goes on to bigger and better things. So uh, with any player, like you said, it's you know we always thank them for what they've done at the club. But sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. And you know, Lewis Miller, for example, he's uh, you know he's, he's now at Hibs, um, another big club, club club in Scotland. So that's Kai and Kai and Lewis both going to to the SPL. So I think it speaks volumes for the club and and, and you know how, how we can develop players to to push on to top levels in Europe. And, and we're really proud of them. And, and now we look to recruit and develop you know players to come and take their place. Three days away, Buttes. I know you uh, want to talk about this. Uh, here we here we go again. It's not Uruguay this time. It's Peru. What do you know about the Buttes, uh, one of the best football analysts in the world? I don't know a lot about Peru, I've got to say. Um, I'm going to leave that to Monty, the expert, but uh, it's a big, big occasion for the Aussies. They're going for their fifth World Cup in a row, which is really significant in itself uh, for a, you know, a small playing nation like Australia. Uh, they're certainly uh, punching above their weight. Yeah, we go back is... to 2005, Aloisi, yep. you know, the goal celebrating on the eastern side of Stadium so, Australia. And this is as big as it gets, Monty. Uh, you know, if you want to pressure game or pressure situation, this is what, uh, as a footballer, this is what it's all about. Yeah, for sure. Look, ideally, I think that, you know, they would have made the World Cup, but, you know, they're having to take a difficult route. And Peru, a very good team, very well organised. They've got a good coach. So, look, no doubt Arnie will be, you know, approaching it the same as the last game against UAE. And that's, you know, it's just to try and get the win. Obviously, the performance is, is always nice. And he's been criticised for that lately. But look, you know, that was a good result against UAE. And, and now he's got, you know, now the boys have got to go and perform and, and, and beat Peru. So look, there'll be a lot of support behind them. Obviously, Kai Rolls is in there. We've got a lot of ex-Mariners. So yeah, we'll be fully behind them. And hopefully they can uh, they can get the result and, and go one step closer. And Beauty, you watched the game against UAE? Uh, no, I missed that one, mate, unfortunately, oh. yes. I, I did see the highlights, though. And they, uh, <laughs> there was a couple of cracking goals from the Aussies. But, you know, ultimately, it just comes down to win-loss. That's as simple, simple as it is. If you want to be in the World Cup, the Aussies, uh, they need to win. And uh, how they go about that, it doesn't have to be pretty. And they just need to get that ball into the back and then at some stage. <laughs> Mate, it's simple. It is simple. And I don't care if they do it in penalties. Good analysis, Buse. Hey, hey, just make those broad statements, mate. You know, uh, you need Buttes, like, around the Mariners. You need this kind of insight, intel <laughs> with, with your team, Monty. Don't worry about Sergio. Uh, you need Buttes. Hey, uh, i tell you what I did do last week or during the week. I actually watched the finish of the EPL again. You look at Liverpool... Are they arguably the greatest runners-up in the history of the competition, Monty? Well, you must have a lot of time on your hands to be watching all them games again, Steve. But, um, no, nah, fantastic. I mean, look, Championship and Premier League in England, the last day of the season, it's always uh, it's always an amazing... Even if you sat home watching it on TV or at the grounds, it's you know, all the games played at the same time. Is it's uh, Yeah, it's fantastic. So, look, Liverpool... Again, you look at, I think there was a stat the other day about Alex Ferguson and most of the titles he won. I think Liverpool got more points this year than 
than, than Man United under Alex Ferguson ever did. So, you know, amazing that Man City have been, you know, so dominant in, in, in many years. But I think they've definitely got the budget to match it. And uh, you see the signings that they're bringing in this uh, this offseason. Yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be cracking again next year for sure. Now the A-League season's over. Uh, have you had time to analyse, in your opinion, the top two or three players in the competition this year? Yeah, look, we analyse, you know, every game and, and every opposition. Um, and, and look, this season, I thought, yeah, I thought this, the, the league this year was 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 good. I thought it was, uh, you know, a lot better than the previous season. A lot more money was spent by by the other teams. I think the, the, the stat was three times more was spent in, in, on, on player budgets, obviously by some of the bigger clubs. And you look at West End United. Obviously, they spent a lot of money, and and, and fair play to them. You know, they, uh, they they got in the in the top six and took the grand final out. So yeah, look, every every season, I think it's going to keep improving now here. At, post-COVID and, and yeah, everyone's going to keep going. So I, I expect the league to get better next year and you know, better visa players in and, and possibly some marquees. So yeah, we've got to keep growing and, and make sure we can keep competing with the, with the top teams. Monty, on the back of your great news in terms of the re-signing or extending your contract, you've got a right-hand man in Sergio. Talk to me about him and, and the role that he plays and how significant that is to have someone by your side who is rock solid, uh, giving you that support, but also challenging, challenging you at various times. I think he said it then, Steve. Uh, sorry, Buse. You know, Sergio is is an amazing person, number one, and 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 he's is a world class coach. You know, that's why I brought him over from from overseas. And and look, he's you know he's he's coached and developed some of the best players in the world while his, his time at Benfica uh, and 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 various other clubs. But number one, he's he's loyal. He's 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 honest. He's hard working, um, and and he challenges me, and I challenge him. And and you know, along with that, we've got obviously other staff that that all. Uh, chip in as well and, and, and push the players every day. So the most important thing in the team environment is, is everybody works together. But no, he's a fantastic, fantastic coach, number one. And, and yeah, it's uh, it's good to have someone that that can push you and you can push them and you can challenge each other because ultimately, at the end of the day, we want to win games of football and develop players. So as long as we've both got the same passion, then yeah, long may it continue. Hey, just a final question. How long until we're back in business? How long is the break before, you know, we start to mount our campaign for 2022-23? So at the minute, we're, we're planning to be back on the 11th of July. Uh, obviously, the end of the July, we have an FFA Cup game. So really, you know, we have to come back early to make sure that we, we're prepared for that game. So we'll wait on that fixture. Um, but yeah, at the minute, 11th of July, yeah, boys can't wait to get back. And, and for now, they'll have a little bit of a break and we'll, we'll continue with the recruitment and make sure once once we come back on the 11th of July, we're, you know, we're ready to go and, and build towards our FFA Cup game. Yeah, Nick, uh, thank you so much for joining us on this long weekend. Enjoy the time away with your family. Congratulations, as always, on everything you achieved this year, including making the final series, making the FFA Cup final as well. And a special thank you, mate, for being so generous with your time with Saturdays on the Coast. No, pleasure, guys, and look forward to speaking to you guys uh, next year. And hopefully, we can together we can uh, yeah we can get the fans in the stadium and, and build that atmosphere that we had last year and, and bring some success back to the club. Hey, did you just say next year? So we won't speak to you until twenty twenty three. Well, next season, sorry, next season, not next year. <laughs> All right, mate. Thanks very much. Have a good weekend. Cheers, guys. Take care. Nick Montgomery joining us, head coach with the Central Coast Mariners. The news is he's re-signed. Resigned. Resigned. Not, for a further. Not resigned. No. Resigned. No, I got a text yesterday from MBN TV saying Monty is announcing his uh, that he's resigning. 
Mate, there yeah. needs to be a, a hyphen. Hyphen there. Put the hyphen in. Resigned for two more years, which is awesome news. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land. The Coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Final break on this long weekend of Saturdays on the Coast. And a couple of quick things before we go. Buttes, Minji Lee. She won the U.S. junior, now she's the U.S. senior champion, winning by four strokes. When I stayed at my brother and his wife on the Gold Coast at their place at Eleanora, they both love golf. And so it was back in April, we were watching the U.S. college girls in action. The women's game is unbelievable and well done to Minji Lee and... Just uh, an incredible performance. The the best performance by an Aussie this week. Yeah, fantastic. Without a shadow of a doubt. Great effort from her. And uh, obviously, the Steve, I think you've got some water polo news as well. Yeah, well, uh, you know, I love this family. They're our best friends on the Central Coast. Yep. And uh, Luke Stimson is off to Europe with the Australian junior team. He's a Gosford lobster. Yep. So started there probably playing flipper ball when he's about four or five as soon as he could swim. And congratulations. He plays with the Sydney Uni Club. And he's an outstanding player. Probably he does a lot of the work. He reads the game so well. He does a lot of defensive work. Probably doesn't get as much credit because he doesn't score as much as some other players. But he is a brilliant young player and we're ecstatic for him. Yeah, great news for Luke. Well done. Yeah, we're off to the news. Hey, thanks for listening. Thanks to Robson Civil Projects. Thanks to all of our guests. Don't forget the catch-up podcast. Thank you to Adam back at headquarters. Enjoy the rest of the long weekend. We'll catch you next week on Saturdays on the Coast.